This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape here in the studio joined by Sarah from Community Waikato. Yeah, good morning. So we're here today to talk a little bit, you know, very early days in Level 2. Um, to talk a bit about what we've been seeing happen in the community and social service sector over the last few weeks and then perhaps some thinking a little bit forward what sorts of things might be on top and um, what sorts of things community groups could be doing in the next few weeks um, to I suppose strengthen themselves and you know get back to operations so that's kind of the show today Um, and I thought we'd just start with a you know with a bit of a sense about do you think things have been different this time Yes. Yeah, how's that? I, yeah, I've been talking to a few groups about it. I think community organisations thought they were more organised and ready than they actually were. Mm. So, you know, there's been a lot of work in the last year around groups, um, yeah, getting things in place. Take take us, for example, you know, community yes. Waikato staff, we, we now have all the equipment we need to work from home. Yes, until you got home and realised what you'd left at the office. Yeah, you, or, or, you know, that, <laughs> or that your seat just wasn't going to yeah. cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. so there's that, that kind of thing. But I think also that um, being ready for another lockdown and then actually working through it is mm. two different things. And for those organisations who, who miss seeing people you know, who if if their if their regular work is always face to face, is always um, you know, the social sector side of things, then I think there's a lot of people missing people. Yes. You know? Yeah. And and yes, you can think you're prepared. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know, there was a frustration with the way um this lockdown happened. Firstly it was fast. Yeah. So much quicker than last time. But the second one was it wasn't there wasn't a lot of clarity early about how long it was going to be it's like we'll do 3 days we'll let you know we'll do another week we'll let you know and yeah. and it seemed community organizations didn't really know at what point they should mobilize things like the food response yeah um and and so i think that that, that seemed to be a little bit difficult whereas last time it was just obvious and it was going to be you know, a long period of time, and so it, it was very clear that there was going to be this additional need. It's 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 really interesting that you say that. I was talking to a food bank provider um, actually just yesterday, and um, we were saying really that as much as you uh, you knew it was likely to be coming, all of a sudden it was there. But but also what they found difficult is that they so many of the food banks I've worked with in the last um, few weeks had food for ten days, fourteen days. Mm. But they thought that that 
like last time, civil defence would kick in. And so they thought that to have 10 or 14 days was actually plenty, mm. you mm. know. Um, and and it's as you were saying, they were waiting for news of uh, civil defence will kick in, uh, food will become uh, an emergency, mm. uh, you know, that additional sort of support would kick yes. in. And of course it never has. No, because of course it wasn't a civil defence no. emergency. It was a lockdown managed by government. Yep, not not a civil defence. Yes, yeah, yes. And so I think that changed the flavour. Yeah, because although there has been support, whether that's yeah financial or people like us um, helping the food banks, the community houses, the social service sector, there hasn't been the same availability of of sort mm. of funding and immediate response. That's, yeah, yeah. Last time there was um, some difficulty around borders, and I recall some places wanting, like I'm thinking Port Waikato and others, mm. wanting to be a part of Auckland um, because of where the locals shopped. They tend to go north, not south, and it, and it just caused issues. Has that been a problem this time? I think the, the difference this time is there has been more readiness for it, but you're right, those communities, Pokono, uh, Tuako, some some really small rural communities in that area. The additional challenges that they haven't. Uh, some of those areas don't have a dairy, let alone anything yes. else. Um, but what we've been able to do this time round is uh, there was more awareness that that was going to happen, and so some of those communities, um, uh, the food banks got additionally stocked up. Um, ready, and I think uh, the families were more more realised what the situation was going to be. And what has been good this time round is it's been a whole lot easier to get the travel um, notification to be able to go across that yeah. that border. Yes, um, so there's an understanding of the the issues that, that yeah, sort of the nuance that, of yeah. those yeah towns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, well, that that's certainly positive. I suppose, too, literally just thinking about it now, there's now a supermarket in Pokanoor. Oh, well, that will help, eh? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, yeah. That big new countdown has yeah. been built and only opened a few months ago, so that yeah. will have made a change. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. So I think, um, you know, it's interesting. There's some, some things that have perhaps been a little better than this time and some other things that have posed additional challenges. Do you think the Delta strain has compounded some of those challenges? Definitely in the food space that, you know, you and I've been working in in the last few weeks. Uh, I've noticed, for example, I've done a couple of deliveries of food parcels out to food banks and much more serious about the way, how important food security is, how mm. it's being handled. Uh, um, you know, the first lockdown... You you might have at least carried the food into the garage. You know what yes. I mean. And yes, yeah. yeah. Um, this time you're literally leaving it in the driveway. Wow. And yeah. You, you know there was there's been quite a difference in attitude. I think. Um, I think there's also been more fear. So mm. there are. It's taken longer for people to have to come forward who who have who have the need. I think the Delta variant is um, 
more frightening for some people and so they've taken longer to come forward and ask for help mm. and what's been hard about that is that by the time they come the the need has gone mm. beyond urgent to now mm. yeah. you know it's yeah so th- i think there's a different attitude yeah. out there yeah. But in terms of the food need, is you know, last time we saw a massive spike in food need. Um and, and that spike hasn't necessarily come back down to normal either. There there no. you know, since that first lockdown there has still been um that increased demand. Did we see a similar spike this time again though for those food banks as we went into lockdown? No, it's been different. It's just mm. been slower. And that's about that readiness. So mm-hmm. m- my own opinion is that is that the organisations that got it sorted have did have that ten two weeks worth of supply. Yeah. And what we're seeing now is um, that actually it's it's now that people are are having the the difficulty. Um, yeah. And yeah. and so in fact the the requests from food banks have been greater in the last. Week, yes, than they were in the first two. Yeah, Do you see yeah, what I mean? yeah, absolutely. So it's and and you had actually anticipated that a week three would be where yeah. the real pinch came. Yeah, yeah, mm. it, because because when we were first contacting those groups and saying how are you doing, they were all quite upbeat mm. and going yes, yes, we're fine. Uh, but but then the same person was was ringing back two weeks later, going, "We've gone from being fine to empty." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, so no, that is that is really interesting. And and at this point, um, they're being supported by a combination of sources. Yes, look, we're so fortunate here in the Waikato in that Salvation Army has developed a regional hub mm. for food, food and and their ability to share that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, local funders are helping to resource them mm. to create the the food parcels, which and um, and that sounds that's great because of course the MSD funding that they get doesn't necessarily apply to everybody who might have a food need. Yes. And and also that thing, Holly, too, where where much of the funding is specific to food banks, but we also know that there are a number of organisations, um, churches, mm. etc., who who pop up in times mm. of need. And... Um, the thing is, they don't then meet the criteria for, yes. for some of this this other funding, and and they're the groups or the partaka kai, you know, this this real yeah. small setups that we're finding. Um, they had an expectation that they were going to be able to continue to support the community in the way they usually do, mm. but uh, but the food rescues and the food supply chain just hasn't been there. Because in level four, uh, so many of those small suppliers, I'm thinking of the Baker's Delights, yes, you know, yes. they were shut. Yeah. And so those usual avenues to get food just, just weren't available. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, people have had to dig deep. Uh, and we've been very fortunate that a couple of funders have come into the mix just, just toward the end, really, of the lockdown um, to acknowledge and recognize that that. We just can't keep pace with the need, yeah, and 
what's been terrific is that those funders are supporting the communities in their own community. Mm. So they've been able to go out and, and then basically go shopping at their local supermarket yeah. rather than rely on the the food availability from those small shops that they, they were in the past. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a short break. Um, when we come back, we're going to start looking forward a little bit. So start thinking about um, what sort of things groups are starting to think about now that we've hit um, level two. Cool. Fantastic. So just a brief interlude. Um, I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> it felt positive, you know. It felt good. So, yeah, we'll be back with you very shortly. She got 
bit of sunglasses at night there. Um, old classic, classic tune. I'm here in the studio um, with Sarah. I'm Holly. We're with Connect with Community Waikato. Talking a bit about, we've just sort of reflected, I suppose, in the last few weeks um, of COVID and lockdown and, and what that's meant for the community sector and how that's been a little different perhaps from the previous lockdown. But now we're going to turn a little bit um, in the other direction and look forward and and think you know what are groups talking about now what's kind of on top for them as they're thinking about coming back and are they all coming back online and, and getting back into the offices have you seen um, any kind of themes emerging from the sector at the moment I think the main thing we've talked about is the um, people wanting to collaborate more so the space that we've been working in has been around um, a food security for the last few weeks and our role there has been around um, coordinating, you know, getting that food out to communities, A. Eh? Yes. But what's actually happened too is that we've identified that some of those communities have got more than one provider. And do those providers know that each other exists and mm. what each other's been doing? For some communities, that's been quite a discovery, actually, mm. to discover that, that during a lockdown, so not necessarily all the time, yes, but during a special lockdown, there's more than one of them providing mm. that service. So the bit that I'm looking forward to is actually getting together with those groups afterwards and going, well, what did you achieve during lockdown? And therefore, what can you achieve together yeah. moving forward? Because mm. mm. if there's a... Th third or fourth one of these will will we look different again yeah and and very likely i'm sure i think yeah, so absolutely yeah. i've had a, a few conversations um with groups at, about things having to be cancelled and, and of course even the aspire expo which yes you know so frustrating yeah. you know so nearly there and yet um, has had to be put off Yes, um, and this has been the experience for a number of organisations and, and sadly um, you know as the NGO sector or not for profit sector we often use these events to fundraise as well so is that um, proving to be a bit of a challenge for organisations in terms of how they might normally raise funds? I think definitely and I think going back to your earlier question about you know are groups ready to come back to work? I think funding is a real, it, it's it's a, it's an issue for groups, but it's also realising that they might have to look at things differently. Um, you and I, we've talked about uh, the AGM. Our, mm. our own AGM is going to go online instead of the wine and cheese we usually enjoy. And a birthday yeah. cake we're going to have. And a birthday cake we're going to have. Yeah. Um, uh, the Aspire, absolutely, you're right. It's, it's usually used as a as a fundraiser, and so people are already having to relook at what, um, yes, what what does that funding environment look like? Uh, I mean, look at Cancer Society Daffodil mm. Day. Yeah, you know, absolutely, it's huge. It's just huge to lose those those big campaigns um, and the sponsorships as well so where yeah. businesses are hurt um, less likely to be able to sponsor events or organizations yes and I, I worry that the the small organizations are going to no notice it e even more mm. you know how many of the small organizations where their newsletter is 
supported by yeah you know the the, the local, local chippy or exactly that. yeah exactly yeah. um so that is a real concern and i think that organizations as a result of this are going to have to be more creative uh, about their funding i don't know if you saw today um the msd's covid resilience fund mm-hmm. they've actually extended that date oh, okay it's out now out to to the i think it's the 15th of October might mm. not be as long as that might mm. be earlier in October but they're giving groups another couple of weeks to to get applications together but they're those those funds are asking groups to to think up of you know new initiatives mm. around how can you make a difference to your community as a result of covid where i'm concerned is is for the groups who actually what they do is what they do. It's mm. an ongoing service, uh, whether COVID is involved or, or not. It's it's still, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're not going to come up with anything new. It's No, no. It's, and, and should they? Like yeah, create exactly. a new initiative that gets funded for six months and then there's no future funding like yeah yeah so yeah yeah, that that is just the challenge for the sector isn't it like but but so by by coincidence i've been working with a a group um this morning over zoom um and and we've been talking about the need to consider things like crowdfunding um Mm. you know using the platforms using their social media being honest about Mm -hmm. what what the position is now and and is it that lockdown has actually made that difference or is it that lockdown has had people maybe um, rethink, realign, you know, reconsider what it is that they want to try and achieve this year? Yeah. Um, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean new stuff. It might mean that you're just rethinking what you're already already doing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what we've, yeah... I suppose I was thinking that if you take something like um, crowdfunding yes. being a, a different way to attract donations, but what I like about crowdfunding is, and what we mean by crowdfunding is platforms like Give a Little, yes, yeah, those kind of things. What I like about it is that you get to spend the money as it comes in, but also your and my $10 donation, $10 on its own might not make a big difference. Yeah. But actually, if a thousand people put ten dollars in, that's a huge difference. Yes. But also that we start to be able to spend those ten dollars as they come in. We don't have to wait for a grant result. Yeah. And, you know. There's there's also an accountability um, around that as well, which is um, perhaps a little more forgiving for not-for-profit organisations because the process of accountability generally can be quite onerous. Yeah. And particularly with government, um, you know, government grants and, and contracts. I, I think to be able to, to combine those things, you know, everyone's still going to want to have grants. And I'm very aware that this week, Trust by Caddo's uh, funding round closes this Friday. Mm. So they're still going ahead. So so they're still sticking to their timetables, so they need you to as well. Yeah. But it's just realising, you know, has has something changed even in the last month to have you need to rethink something and therefore look at other avenues yeah. of, of how you're going to generate those those incomes. And I, I think that's, that's probably that key point too is um, being really honest with mm. yourself as an organisation about what, 
um, what's happened to your budget yes, in terms absolutely. of expected income and yeah. yeah, and how to plug those gaps so we don't end up with groups suddenly realising they're insolvent or... Well, um, I'm trying to think, Holly, what, uh, after that first lockdown, I think in the next three months we lost was it five yeah. organisations, something like that, and all of them pretty much admitted it was because they were unrealistic and yeah and really didn't factor in what the changes might might create. Yeah. Um, do you remember one of them had a uh, an education contract? Yes. And, yes. Of, and of course, during that long lockdown, couldn't deliver on the contract. Um, end of contract. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, those organisations, or if, if you're an NGO listening to this at the moment, thinking we really probably need to reflect a little bit, on um, what's going on with um, what's going on with with their own finances, I just um, would encourage them to put in a service request potentially with Community Wakatul, um to spend a little time looking at a budget. Um, so, so long as they don't hope that we'll wave a wand. Of but, course, but, yeah, but, yeah, well, yeah. No, but look, I I, yeah. I absolutely agree, and I think that um, I think what we can what we can offer is is doing what we do is ask those questions to keep it real yeah and and make right. sure it's it's really achievable but also um we're also not trying to be pessimistic and say you know your your world is changing and and you know do a b c d it's really just taking the opportunity to reflect and look yeah. at what is your next six months going to look like and um yeah, are you ready for it? Yeah, absolutely. Because the last thing we want is to lose more good organisations um, because we didn't have our eyes open. Yeah. 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 So I think that's really key. So in terms of, um, we've just got a few more minutes left, in terms of probably key bits of advice you would give an organisation now who's perhaps thinking, oh, are we, are we doing the right sorts of things? Um, you know, what what would you advise groups think about right now? So just on a personal level, I sit on a trust and we're actually taking the opportunity to, to go back and look at our our operational plan. So we don't want to go back and look at the great big mm. picture, but we do look at want to look at what did we expect to achieve this financial year and actually are we going to be able to. Yeah. Um the the organization that I'm a trustee of um is reliant on funding and the donations aren't coming in the way they usually do you know yeah. we we sort of usually have a figure in mind that we get each month and and that's slowly dropping off mm. so um we don't expect to be able to increase the income in a hurry therefore we're going to have to look at what your expenses that, are yeah yeah what's that going to change uh, mm. operationally um and look at it can be cruel we, we we've just done a an exercise yesterday looking at the the cost of the 0800 number yeah you know it's a yeah. real hard hard conversations yeah. um but i think now's the time time to do it and and for us as a group of trustees we've given ourselves a target pre christmas yeah you know it's like yep we've we've got those 3 months let's let's thrash it out now and be honest with ourselves 
Thank you very much. I think that's very good advice. <laughs> and I think that coming back again to honesty is absolute key. Keep your eyes open. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's us for another week. Um, thank you for tuning in. And we'll be here again next week. Uh, you have been listening to Connect with Community One. It's all free of For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.